Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. This episode of Intuitive Bites podcast is brought to you by my online intuitive eating courses. Take your food and body healing journey to the next level with these self-paced online courses. If you're brand new to this topic, check out my Introduction to Intuitive Eating course. If you're looking for something more comprehensive that talks about body image healing, health at every size, and intuitive eating, check out my Food Freedom 101 course. And if you're a professional in this space looking to learn more about how to do this work with your clients, but also how to do this work for yourself, check out my anti-diet approach course for professionals. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Intuitive Bites. Hey guys, welcome to episode 66 of Intuitive Bites. For the show today, I'm chatting with Dana Monsies, who you may know from Instagram as Dana Monsies underscore CNS, and her old handle was Real Food with Dana, um, so you might recognize that. And we're talking about the idea of honoring your health without dieting. This is something that comes up for my clients all the time because they express to me that, you know, they're super excited about the idea of not dieting and just food freedom, eating what sounds good and feels good for their body, but they're concerned that eating in this way is not going to be honoring their health. There's a lot to unpack with this idea, so I think Dana and I do a really good job of doing just that and addressing this common issue. Uh, But before we dive into this episode, I wanted to let you guys know about a couple things I have coming up if you're interested in getting some more support with these things. Uh, So starting on October 16th, I have my three-week group coaching program. It's a mini group coaching program, three weeks, one hour each week. It's on Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern time. So the first week of that, again, will be Friday, October 16th from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. We not only go through many of the kind of initial steps that I talk about with my individual clients, like talking about hunger and fullness attunement and making peace with food and just like feeling more neutral towards those foods that you haven't trusted yourself around. Um, So we dive into all this stuff, but we also, it's such a great opportunity to connect with other people doing this work. I find time and time again that the thing that people say was the most helpful for them about this group was just that they were able to share what's been painful for them, what they've been struggling with, and have people nodding their heads along with them saying that they've experienced something similar and they totally get it. Um, So if you're interested in that kind of group, it is $90 to register um, for the whole, all three weeks. And if you use the code 10 off, you'll get $10 off. So it ends up being $80 for three weeks, um, everything included. The way that you can register for this is by going to the link in my bio on Instagram. So my Instagram is at the intuitive underscore RD. 
just click the link in my bio. It'll be one of the first links. You just click on it and it'll easily prompt you to register that way. And again, don't forget to enter the code 10 off for $10 off. The other thing that I have going on, it actually starts that same, or is on that same day, October 16th. Um, and it's my monthly intuitive eating and body image Q&A webinar. So come with your questions, bring whatever's going on for you, and it's just an opportunity to get those questions answered. It's $10 for the hour, um, and you can register for that the same way as I just described for the group coaching program. Click the link in my bio, you'll see it's one of the first couple links, and you can get registered for that. And that's, um, it's over like Zoom platform, so you'll just get a link and be able to sign in that way. Um, and I also provide recordings of both the group coaching program and the monthly webinar. So you can always re-listen to it or share it with somebody who you think it would be helpful for. All right, guys, that is all I have for you right now. So let's go ahead and listen to my conversation with Dana. All right, Dana. So welcome to Intuitive Bites. I'm excited to have you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel like we've been back and forth a couple of times, so it's always fun to chat. Yes, it really is. So I would love to start by just having you introduce yourself to my listeners, um, the work you do, and a little bit about like what brought you to this work. Yeah, so um, my name's Dana. I'm a dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach, and I now specialize in bringing the middle ground of non-diet clinical nutrition to the like intuitive eating, health at every size field, because um, I feel like there are a lot of people, as you guys know, and like a lot of your listeners know, like there are people that are very staunchly in either camp and they're like, well, you can't do one if you're doing the other one. So what I try and do is work with people who either have a background of eating disorders or disordered eating, or even, you know, yo-yo dieting and just they're fed up with dieting, but they also have like very real medical conditions or autoimmune disease or really annoying chronic symptoms that they can't seem to get rid of by trying an intuitive eating approach on their own. So I try and bring that middle ground approach. Wow, that is so needed. <laughs> and also is like so perfect for what we're gonna talk about today. So that's really cool. And then what brought you to this work? Yeah, so um, long, long time ago. So um, I had my own struggles with my relationship with food and my body growing up, which then developed into very disordered eating and then a full-blown eating disorder. Um, and then for a while, um, I had been working in politics and I was like, wow, this is sucking my soul. I hate my life. So I quit that and I went back to school um, to first become a health coach and then to get my nutrition degree um, and my license and everything. And then I was like, wait a minute. I was firmly in the like food as medicine piece because I got diagnosed with celiac disease and I was like, oh my God, all I have to do is cut out gluten, which is also, as we know, not true, right? <laughs> but then came to realize that all of these, you know, food as medicine elimination diets can be very disordered for people, especially if you have that kind of history. So it kind of evolved into, wow, these, you know, even therapeutically designed protocols are putting people deeper and deeper into a disordered relationship with food, which is in turn making their symptoms worse, which is the reason that they wanted to do these protocols in the first place. So they're, you're going in with the best of intentions, but everything is getting worse. And they're like, now I don't know what to do. So 
the next evolution of my business was, okay, well, how can we work with people on their body image and their relationship with food? And I was just firmly in there for a while. And then it was like, wait a minute, people are still having issues even after like clinical issues after starting to work on this piece. So how can we work on the two of those together while incorporating a health at every size, intuitive eating, you know, viewpoints to all of this. And, you know, it is difficult. And because for a lot of people, this gray area that exists, that is life in the middle is really hard because so many people are so used to operating in the black and white in the yes versus no foods. And even outside of food in everything in life, like I'm all in in work or I'm on vacation and I'm not doing anything or like I'm going to the gym all the time or I'm trying to, you know, go to yoga or meditate every single day or I'm not doing it at all. So a big part of it is teaching people what is like neutral nutrition information that can be used as health promoting behaviors in a non-dieting way versus I have to do all of these things and I have to be on a diet in order to be healthy and resolve these symptoms. Yeah, that's an amazing point. I think so many people struggle there. And I, I also have heard a lot of clients kind of feel that they have to either work on intuitive eating and you know body image stuff or address their clinical concerns. Um, so it's so interesting to bring up that like, yeah, like we need to like, we need to have more middle ground here and have more people who are doing this work in the middle in terms of like, yes, like let's talk about these, you know, clinical issues that you're having. And also I'm not going to put you on a diet and tell you to eliminate all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy. Um, so I would like to talk a little bit more today about this idea of health. Um, and how you can honor your health without dieting. But before that, I want to start and just ask you a little bit about just like the concept of health in general in our culture, in our culture, and also like how intuitive eating and health at every size is sometimes perceived by critics. So oftentimes I'll hear or see random comments um, from people who are criticizing intuitive eating and haze. Um, and they ironically are kind of pegging it as unhealthy, right? Because they they see pictures of like donuts or people eating chips and French fries and like trying to make peace with these foods. Uh, so I guess I'm just curious of like your initial thoughts on that idea that like this approach is unhealthy. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to be really blunt and say that like that the viewpoint that intuitive eating and health at every size are unhealthy are born from ignorance and not truly understanding what those programs are, right? Because if you truly go into the intuitive eating guidelines, if you read the book health at every size, like it does talk about health and vibrancy and nutrition, right? If here's where I think people really run into problems is a lot of people are approaching intuitive eating from, like I mentioned before, the black and white. So naturally, if you're going from dieting and you're so used to either I'm following the rules or I'm not following the rules, then of course, when you try anything else and they see what they see intuitive eating is, oh, intuitive eating just means eat whatever you want and it doesn't matter, right? Of course, if you're bringing the dieting mentality of I'm on the wagon or off the wagon, I'm eating super healthy and following these rules or I'm not, then the intuitive eating for them, like air quotes for people who can't see me, right? is eating everything that was on their no list, right? And then when you look at that, 
there's no way that they're bringing over foods that are nourishing to your body, foods that have a lot of nutrients in them, you know, foods that could be commonly diet foods or even just like fruits and vegetables, right? So a lot of people will go through this period with where when they're trying intuitive eating, they're just eating all of the foods they weren't allowed to. So they're eating processed foods, they're eating donuts, they're eating mac and cheese, they're eating all the foods that they truly wanted to eat, foods that they love. And they're like, oh my God, this is great. I'm allowed to eat everything. But then we also know as dietitians, like if you don't ever eat any fruits and vegetables, if you don't eat proteins, if you don't eat, you know, foods that are fueling your cells from the inside out, you're going to feel crappy, right? regardless of anything that changes on your physical body, you're not going to feel good. You're going to be brain foggy. You're not going to be sleeping well. You're probably going to be anxious or depressed. Like your neurotransmitters are going to be all over the place. Like who even knows what's going to be happening with your blood work if you continue with this long term, right? But so that's why people are like, oh my God, intuitive eating is unhealthy or health at every size is unhealthy because look at all these people just eating donuts all the time. It's like, well, if you were truly following these intuitive eating guidelines, you would eventually learn because there is a period of healing where you have to eat all of the things in order to convince yourself, I'm giving myself unconditional permission to eat all foods, all of the foods, not in moderation, not in balance, because that's still putting rules and restrictions on yourself when you're trying to free yourself of that black and white mentality. It's too early to even give yourself guidelines, right? So that's, I find, where a lot of people will run into problems is they're bringing the diet mentality to intuitive eating. And so if we're looking at that as all in or all out, if intuitive eating now is all out because you're so used to just being on or off the wagon, and then, you know, I hate those terms, but they're easy for people to understand, right? So if you're off the wagon is intuitive eating, of course you're going to feel crappy. And from a you know nutrient perspective, it may look nutrient poor. Some people would call that unhealthy, right? You're not eating any nutritious foods, but it's because you're not truly giving up all of your rules. And then the thing is, then people go to this version of intuitive eating that is really just a prolonged binge that they then go back to dieting. And they're like, oh, intuitive eating didn't work for me. And it's like, well, you know, again, not saying anyone's journey is wrong and like not shaming anyone's journey. But what I would recommend you do is work with someone who can help you move through that dieting mentality so you can truly get to all of the different stages that you have to go through, including, you know, healing and including all of this other stuff that has to happen. Because there are going to be periods where you feel like, oh my God, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I shouldn't be eating this. I'm not eating any vegetables. Like what's happening with me? I'm doomed to be unhealthy forever. But if you're working with someone, they can help you move through all of that and also teach you that. And I think this is the point that we want to get to is like diet it's don't own health. You don't have to be on a diet in order to be healthy. And I think a big part of the problem here is the people that are like, oh, health at every size isn't healthy. Intuitive easing isn't healthy is they're equating health with weight loss and they're equating health with a smaller body size, right? And so you kind of have to redefine health and then also redefine how do you get to health? Because we know, and your listeners know that Health isn't achieved by just shrinking your body by any means necessary. In fact, for a lot of people, that can make you more unhealthy if we're looking at mental health, physical 
physical health, emotional health, and all of the factors that go into that, right? So that's part of the whole nine yards of my spiel about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that, yeah, that was good. You touched on a lot of really good stuff there. Definitely like that weight piece is so big because people who are initially seeing um, you know, people eating all of these different things are like, well, that's not going to lead to weight loss. So how could that be healthy? But the other thing I always like to point out too, is like, first of all, a good relationship with food is healthy. Um, so like, that's something that like, isn't discussed enough. And again, that goes to like the mental aspect of that. Um, but also like it impacts how you behave around food. If you have an unhealthy relationship to food, people who have an unhealthy relationship to food or have experiences on some level know that like, it doesn't lead to you, you know, eating in a balanced, consistent way that like feels good. It just leads to these like periods of, of quote unquote, eating good. And then these periods of like, you know, being off the wagon and whatever. So a healthy, a good relationship to food is healthy. What people see in the short term is that like rebellion phase, um, the pendulum swinging to the other side from restriction. It's not intuitive eating's fault that you're going crazy on all these foods. It's actually the fault of the, res the restriction and dieting and all that stuff that you were engaging in previously. Um, but I do think that like many people first coming to intuitive eating, embrace that phase. They're like, oh my God, I get to eat all this fun stuff. And like, that's kind of what gets the Instagram, um, you know, pictures and excitement and whatever. And if you're only seeing that small sliver of the journey and the process, then, and if you're, you know, stuck in that diet mindset of like good food, bad food, um, you know, I think that that's, it's kind of easy to kind of take a glimpse and be like, oh, there's no way that's healthy. They're just eating whatever all the time. It also kind of makes me think of too, like, it's just so reflective of this like distrust in our bodies. Like there's this idea in diet culture that if we just, if we just trust our bodies to eat whatever they want, they're just going to eat cake and donuts literally all the time, every single meal without question. And it's just like so reflective of this distrust that we have in our bodies that perpetuates the diet industry. If I don't trust my body and I think I'm just going to eat donuts all the time, if I, if I do trust it, then of course I'm going to be like, Oh my God, I can't do that. I'm so scared. You know? <laughs> Oh, yep. So yeah. Much. And it's, it's taught from such a young age too. Like I, I also, in addition to, you know, doing nutrition work, like I'm also a swim coach for really young kids up through high school. And a couple of years ago, they started me to start doing the nutrition for the team. And they were like, okay, this is what we've been doing so far. And it was just this pamphlet that was saying, you know, all of the things that were unhealthy for swimmers to eat and all of the things that were healthy for swimmers to eat. And the ironic thing was the recommendations that they were giving for kids to eat before swim meets from like one, a nutrient perspective. And then two, from an athlete's perspective would like weigh you down so much that you would feel crappy when you were eating them. And it was like, why are you telling these kids and like instilling these rules so young in their brains when it's not even nutritionally or clinically correct? It's like, it, Oh God, it drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's crazy. Um, so Dana, I'm curious your thoughts for, you know, the many people listening who are like, I want to work on honoring my health through this non-diet intuitive eating lens. How do I do that? I know that that's a big question, but what are your, what are your, some, some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I have many thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> so 
Especially if you are coming from a background of jumping from protocol to protocol or disordered eating, like the answer will never be found in more restriction or another diet. If that worked, your health would be fixed already and you wouldn't be here in the first place. So let's just get that out of the way. Um, so one thing that's I find helpful is um, from a clinical perspective, we can look at all of these different, you know, diets and all these different books that say, you know, for thyroid health, for example, is a big one. It's like, oh, if you have Hashimoto's or if you have hypothyroid, which are like the two most common ones, right? Like you have to cut out all these foods, but then if you pay more attention to those books with a critical eye, they also tell you, here are the nutrients that are supportive of these health conditions, right? So that's what I choose to focus on first with my clients is I always take an add-in approach, right? So it's like, for example, for hormone health, yeah, there are certain foods. If you have an autoimmune disease, it might be beneficial for you to be mindful of certain foods, but that can't be the first step that you take because that's just putting you on another diet and you have to get to a certain place with your relationship with food in your body where you could even think about doing that always with a practitioner. The only exception to that is if you have a true food allergy or if you have celiac disease, in which case those foods need to go. You can't be eating those because it's truly going to be like a medical detriment to your body, in which case you need a practitioner who can work on helping you heal your gut and also help you on the mindset of that. Cause that can be like a little bit of like a mind F as well. Like, right. Like I have celiac disease and that was a big thing that I had to get over is like, this is a food that I can truly never eat again. How do I wrap my head around that, that I'm not restricting this because I want to like lose weight or, you know, for any of those other like diety reasons, but you truly have to remove this food because you know, you're going to feel like crap from the inside out for a very, very long time, potentially forever, if you continue to eat this food. And it's also going to have clinical implications. So like in celiac disease, all of your villi and your small intestine eradicate it. It's like an atomic bomb went off in there. You have no more digestive enzymes. You can't absorb any of your food, all of the clinical implications that go along with that. But going back to our example, if you don't have either of those two, so then you focus on what are the foods, what are the specific nutrients that we can think about adding in more of, right? So for example, for thyroid health, a lot of people, especially now, <laughs> get thyroid issues because they have gut issues and because they overexercise and they undereat and they specifically undereat carbohydrates. And why is that important? Because if you don't have enough carbohydrates, your body is not going to convert the inactive form of thyroid hormone to the active form of thyroid hormone. And then you're going to be hypothyroid. Or if you have a genetic predisposition and you have a triggering event, you might then get Hashimoto's. And so then it's thinking about what are the things that we can continue to add in while also monitoring their might be foods depending on each person that you know make you feel better and that make you feel worse. And it's not just like processed foods make everybody feel bad, right? <laughs> like I have a client for whom she eats strawberries and they make her feel horrible, right? So it's thinking about everybody's gonna be different. Even all of these different protocols out there, they were designed for a specific group of people. Even if you have the diagnosis or the autoimmune disease that's you know prescribed on that book, that doesn't mean that that protocol is going to work well for you. Because what do those books not talk about? Your relationship with food. And also, you mentioned before how like your relationship with food and having a healthy relationship with food 
is, or having a good relationship with food, a positive relationship with food is healthy. What about the clinical implications of having a negative relationship with food, right? Like, I feel like that's not talked about enough, like blood work, digestion, stress, cortisol, thyroid issues, like everything, right? And people are like, oh, well, you know, eating clean is healthy. Okay. What are the clinical implications of orthorexia, right? taking it to the extreme there. And you don't even have to have a diagnosed eating disorder or disordered eating in order to see these negative health complications of trying to be too, you know, quote, health conscious, right? Which is really just oscillating between dieting hardcore and basically being orthorexic and then going back and forth, like you mentioned, the pendulum swimming, swinging back and forth. So in order to avoid that pendulum swing, what I always focus on is, okay, we're going to do an add-in approach, but for most of these health conditions also, there's a huge stress component, which then goes to your adrenal glands, goes to your thyroid, and then goes to your sex hormones, and then also goes to your digestion. So like those are the four main components that I see, and all of those can be helped by reducing the stress that is caused from a negative relationship with food. So from a nutrient and food perspective, I start with an add-in approach. And then from the other side, like the, the mindset, the relationship with food, we start working on that and untangling. Why do you think these foods are bad for you? Why do we have so much stress around these particular foods? Because reducing that stress can actually improve clinical symptoms. Wow. That's amazing. That's so cool. (laughs) I hope that's sitting with everyone who's listening as much as that's sitting with me. That's really, yeah, really interesting way of like looking at all of the different factors. And also I love like the add and approach thing. Um, Obviously like that's kind of how I view a lot of, a lot of this stuff as well when I'm talking about like addressing or managing conditions. And I also am thinking about um, a couple of things. So you were talking about celiac before And talking about like adjusting to like certain things that need to be eliminated so that they don't cause harm to your body so that your body can heal. I just think, and I'm curious your thoughts on this with celiac. I feel like so often it's people view cutting out gluten as it ends up being cutting out carbs. Yeah. So I just want to hear your thoughts on that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so... (laughs) That also, that happened to me when I first got diagnosed with celiac, just because like, I didn't know what gluten was. Like I grew up in a like New York, New Jersey, Italian family. All we ate was pasta and bread and bagels, right? So like when I got diagnosed with celiac, I went through this like grieving period of like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm going to be like disowned as an Italian American. (laughs) Like what's going to happen, right? But so then- The interesting thing is like when you go into the earliest diagnoses of celiac disease, depending on when somebody gets diagnosed, in order to truly heal the villi, you might have to do a pretty intense gut healing protocol. And for a lot of people that actually goes beyond cutting out just gluten, some of them need to cut out certain grains as well, depending on the person. So like I figured out for me that like when I first got diagnosed, like obviously gluten, which is wheat, barley, and rye had to be cut out. But then I was trying to do gluten-free oats for a while. And then I was like, oh, this is not working well either. So I had to like, you know, it's like a science experiment with yourself. You have to like try different things and see what works. But I think there's also a misconception is like, I don't know if you've ever seen that YouTube video before. I forget what, I think it was um, not James Corden, but it was like one of the late 
night comedian hosts was going around in Chicago. Maybe it was Jay Leno or something was going around in Chicago and like asking people what gluten were. This is like what gluten is like 10 years ago. I totally saw that. Yes. Nobody actually knew what gluten was. Like, I feel like now a lot more people do, but gluten is not in all carbs. And I think people also don't know what carbs are. They're like, I'm not eating carbs. And it's like, okay, so if you're not eating any carbohydrates, all you're eating is protein and pure fats. You're not eating any fruits. You're not eating any vegetables. You're not even eating spinach, right? You're not eating celery. You're not eating like bread. You're not eating potatoes. You're not eating pasta. Like people pretty much know that those are carbohydrates, right? But a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not eating carbs. It's like, all right, so tell me what you're eating. They're like, oh, well, you know, I have like cereal for breakfast and then I have like a sweet potato with my lunch. I'm like, so you're eating carbs. You're like, no, I'm not. I'm like, well, I'm not criticizing you, but like, yes, you are, you know? Um, And so I think there's just like a lot of misinformation out there. So when people commonly think, okay, I'm cutting out gluten, like I'm going gluten-free, it's mostly they're cutting out like the bread and they're cutting out the pastas and they're cutting out like all of the processed foods or like packaged foods, let's say that say gluten-free, right? Um, But in fact, again, going back to like the thyroid conversation, most people aren't eating enough carbohydrates to fuel their cells, to fuel their hormones. Like all carbohydrates are broken down in the body into sugars and then into a form of glucose, which is the singular molecular form of carbohydrates broken down. And then there are a couple of other different ones, right? But that is the main form. Glucose is your body's main source of fuel. If you stop eating carbohydrates entirely, things aren't going to go very well for you, especially for women in terms of hormones. Your thyroid's going to be messed up. Your adrenals are going to be messed up, right? Like there's so many different clinical implications. But anyways, cutting out gluten doesn't mean you're cutting out carbs. Luckily, there are plenty of gluten, naturally gluten-free, and then now certified gluten-free carbohydrate sources, which is great because I think a lot of people go too far, even when they get diagnosed with celiac disease, like, I'm just not going to eat any carbohydrates. And it's like, all right, well, now you've cut out a major energy source from your diet. Where are all of your nutrients coming from? Because again, if you cut out all carbohydrates, you're not getting any fruits and vegetables. Where are your nutrients coming from? You're going to get amino acids from the proteins and you're going to get different kinds of lipids from the fats, which is great. You have one of the building blocks of your hormones, but where's all the rest of it coming from? Mm-hmm. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you addressed that. Cause I just, I see it so often and like, I wish more people knew that like, yeah, gluten's not just like in all the carbs and like, you can still have gluten-free pasta and gluten-free bread and stuff like that. Um, anyway, Dana, thank you so much for your time today. If you can share where people can find you and also any offerings that you have. Yeah. Um, so if you like podcasts, <laughs> Kirsten's been on mine too, um, a couple of episodes ago. So mine is the real talk with Dana podcast. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at my full name, which is Dana Monsi's underscore CNS. Um, and then actually my website is still realfoodwithdana.com Cause I haven't figured out how to change that. That was my old Instagram handle. If you look for me there on Instagram, you won't find me. <laughs> so don't do that. Um, And then things that I have coming up, um, I have, depending on when this comes out, I have a webinar that's going to be in a couple of weeks. That's how intuitive eating may lead back to dieting. Keyword being may, right? (laughs) 
not for everybody before anybody yells at me, it doesn't happen to everyone, but like we were talking about today, it does happen for a lot of people. And so this is going to be going into like, why do you feel like going back to dieting after trying intuitive eating probably on your own and not with a practitioner? Um, and then I have a couple different courses on healing your relationship with food and your body and like my philosophy to working with people clinically. And you can work with me one-on-one. All the things can be found on my website, on my Instagram, all the places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dana. Thank you for having me. Of course. All right, guys, that is a wrap on episode 66. If you want to learn more from Dana, find her on Instagram at Dana Montsis underscore CNS, or go to her website, which is realfoodwithdana.com. And you can also check out her podcast, which is Real Talk with Dana. All right, guys, and don't forget, if you're interested in the group coaching program or my monthly Q&A webinar, go to the link in my bio on Instagram and just click it to register. All right, guys, I will talk to you really soon.